For our scripture reading this morning, we'll turn to the Gospel according to Luke and Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And we'll read from verses 13 through verse 35. Today we'll consider the post-resurrection appearance of the Lord Jesus to the travelers, the disciples on the way to Emmaus. So Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us, When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things? And to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. This far, our scripture reading for this morning. Dear congregation, our focus will be on the passage that we read in Luke 24, the travelers to Emmaus. And 
Did you hear Jesus made his third appearance after his resurrection to these two disciples as they were traveling back from Jerusalem to their hometown of Emmaus? You may remember that he first appeared to Mary Magdalene when she came to the tomb and later to the other women as they were returning from the tomb. And this is the third time now Jesus is revealing himself alive to his disciples. After this, he also appears to Simon and then to the the disciples as they're gathered together in in one of their houses. But each time the Lord Jesus revealed himself as, as a risen Savior to his disciples, who each in their own way were grieving and trying to process what had happened. And so in this passage, Jesus shows us how we also need and can receive a sight of the risen Savior through His Holy Word, through the Scriptures. We we do not see the Lord Jesus walking on this world as the disciples did uh, for those 40 days after He rose. But we can see Him by faith even as the Lord Jesus taught these disciples that they must do. And so our theme for this morning is A sight of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. A sight of the Lord Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And our first thought then is a sight that is restrained by unbelief. Because we read that their eyes were restrained, that they did not know him in verse 16. These disciples, they didn't understand what happened yet. Even though they knew the Lord Jesus when he was alive... They, they now missed that joy of, of salvation. They did not yet understand who the Lord Jesus was. Their eyes still need to be opened to realize that he had come to replace all of the Old Testament uh, ceremonial laws and to show that everything pointed to him. But we can see that their eyes here were restrained because they were focused on, on the external circumstances. They're still focusing on the external circumstances. And we can see these two disciples as they're traveling down this road from Jerusalem to their own village called Emmaus. It was the one was named Cleopas, and the other one might have been Luke, as some commentators say. But they had left the other disciples in Jerusalem, and they're now traveling the seven miles on foot, which would take them about two hours and give them enough time to talk together about these things. You can imagine how confusing this would have been for these disciples. They spent a good part of the last three years with the Lord Jesus anyway, hearing Him teaching, hearing His teaching and, and seeing the miracles that He had done. And now they were discussing these events of the last three days. And they were focused on on what had happened when the Lord Jesus himself joins them as they're walking. But they didn't recognize him. In verse 16 it says their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And then he asked them, what are you talking about that, that you are so sad? And the disciples seemed surprised by that question. They asked, are you only a stranger here that you do not know what what has happened? They're so consumed by these events, they expected everyone else to be consumed by it as well. 
the crucifixion was, was such a public display. It was outside of Jerusalem where everybody could walk by and, and see what happened. Everybody could see what the, Roman, what the Roman punishment was. But not only that, the Lord Jesus himself was known by everyone. In every village and place where he taught, the crowds followed him. When he came to Jerusalem, he came riding in on a donkey, and the crowds were there putting palm trees and, and coats in front of them, and they're, they're crying out and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. And the whole city in Matthew, it says, was asking, Who is this? So how can he not know who they are talking about? But these disciples were, were blinded because of their unbelief because he focused on the external circumstances. If you notice in verse 19, it says they were talking about the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. So they're focused on him, on what he has done, on the, the, the words that he spoke with authority. And the miracles that they performed in, the, in their sight, and the sick that he raised, and the dead that he raised up. But now he's dead. They say the chief priests and the rulers had condemned him and crucified him. He's dead, they say. They're also blinded by their unbelief because they were thinking of a temporal kingdom in this world. Verse 21 says, We were hoping. That it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Israel was under the Roman oppression. And they, were, they longed for the freedom and their own identity back. Maybe they were thinking of another deliverance like from Egypt or out of Babylon. Maybe they were thinking back of the reign of Solomon. Such a glorious and a peaceful reign. Maybe they hoped that this would be the son of David that would restore the kingdom. And if you look in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, even there the disciples asked, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they were looking for a national redemption. But even, even though that is, it can be such a big blessing where the country has freedom to worship and, and where leaders lead them in the laws of the Lord, God's kingdom is not of this earth. But they did not see and know Christ here because they did not interpret what happened through the lens of Scripture. Verse 21 says, they say that now this is the third day since this happened. And some of the women came and reported that the tomb was empty. And that they had seen angels who said, he is, he is alive. Here Scripture was being revealed uh, fulfilled in front of their eyes. They saw the evidence of what was happening, but it was still a mystery to them because they did not, they don't, did not remember and they did not interpret the events through the lens of Scripture. And so in this passage, the physical eyes of these disciples were restrained from being able to see who Jesus was to show that they could not yet see him as the Lord Jesus Christ with the spiritual eyes of faith. These men knew the scriptures. They knew that a Messiah would come to redeem Israel. But they did not see this as the Lord Jesus Christ who would redeem them spiritually. 
They were focused on, on a temporal redeemer, a temporal king. But Christ has come to bring so much more and so much greater. And even though we see here an element of, of doubt and, and unbelief, but also because they're, they're, they're in the context of the Old Testament, we, we can also see the real faith that is present in these disciples. Bewildered, but still they speak of hope. In a sense, their hope was crushed, and yet their hope was still hung on to somewhat. It wasn't completely gone. We see their love was still there for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the love that they had for the fellowship with each other and with the other disciples. They were so closely united with, with one another. And they all met and they all talked about these events for these days. They shared their thoughts and their questions. Here is such a close bond of fellowship in the love of Christ that they had with one another. Even though they did not yet fully understand it. But now they also had to determine how to move forward. They remembered the words likely of how Jesus had called them to follow them, how he had instructed them to live, how he had prayed for them, how he had spoken of his kingdom coming. But now they, they saw that he was dead. And they saw the rulers of the nation. And they wondered, how must we now continue under these rulers? And so they were full of questions. But amidst that all, there's still that that bond of love that nothing could break. But questions that only the risen Lord Himself could answer for them. See, in Scripture, blindness is often used to describe spiritual blindness of unbelievers, but also here, believers still have a certain blindness where they cannot fully see Christ for who He is for them. But for us, how often is Christ near to us? But our eyes also are restrained to see Him. We do not see Him because we're focused on the circumstances as these these disciples were. May we think, how can God be in this, in this trial, in this tragedy? When we're so often saddened by what happened that we cannot see God anywhere near us. Even though it's God who holds everything in His hands. Or like these disciples, you can feel like you're stuck between two worlds. You, you know you do, do not belong to that old world anymore. You do not belong to those... The disciples knew they did no longer belong to those rulers and those Pharisees. And you might not... You may feel like you no longer belong to the world in which you once lived, but where is Christ? Do you belong to this new kingdom? Do you belong to Him? What is He for your soul? And sometimes you're going to feel like you're stuck between those two worlds. But even if you cannot see Christ fully for your own soul, does, does your heart then long to speak of Him like these disciples were? Do you, do you long to learn more of who He is? And do you need to know Him for your soul? Is that need and desire there? Because notice here in verse 15, when the Lord Jesus comes to them. 
while they converse and reason. He comes to these two tender hearts as they talked about him, as they tried to think about what these things meant. And so the Lord Jesus also comes to those hearts who are tender, who are seeking, who are searching for him, who are trying to discern what this means for their hearts. And he comes with the purpose to direct you in His Word, as He did for these two disciples, as we see in our second place, a sight that is directed by the Scriptures. In verse 25, the Lord Jesus comes and begins with a gentle rebuke. And He says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? and to enter into his glory? Do you see what the Lord Jesus Christ points out first and immediately? You are slow to believe the Scriptures. He's pointing out the cause of their sorrow and their misunderstanding. Because we often try to build our hopes and our, on, on things that are seen, on, on things that are happening. Because it does not go how we expect often and that's where our sorrow comes from. They're, they were sad and grieving over the, over the very things that were actually the, the cause of their joy, their eternal joy and redemption. But because of their doubt, their unbelief, their ignorance of what the Scripture was saying, it caused them to be saddened. But Jesus directs us to the Scriptures, which Paul says alone can make us wise unto salvation. See, the Scriptures need to be explained, need to be understood. We cannot believe what we do not know. We cannot believe the things that we have never learned. And that's why we need to study the Scriptures, children. How often do we read the Scriptures for ourselves every day? Do we read it every morning, every evening? We must learn it. We must study it. We must learn to seek to understand it. Because Paul says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, verse 17. And all the Scriptures are, are centered on Christ. All the Old Testament was pointing forward to Christ, and all the New Testament is, comes about because of Christ. And so he says in verse 26, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? Here these disciples also had learned the Scriptures, but they weren't interpreting the events the event through scriptures. They, they also needed to learn that the Old Testament was coming to an end and the New Testament was beginning. But here also the, the Pharisees also did not believe that he was the Christ, even though they also knew the scriptures. But then in verse 27, the Lord Jesus began to expound the scriptures to them, beginning with Genesis, beginning with the books of Moses and, and, and through the history of the judges and of the kings and, and through the prophets and the Psalms, he begins to show how it all pointed to himself. You know, children, in, in Genesis 3, where God promises that the seed of the woman would come and crush the head of the serpent, he says that was Christ. And that is what happened on the cross. 
And you remember Abraham when he took Isaac up the mountain and Isaac asked his father, where is the lamb? And Abraham said, God himself will provide. And there in the thicket, in the bushes, was a ram stuck with his horns. And, and they offered that ram there instead of Isaac on the altar. And that's what happened on the cross, children. The Lord Jesus Christ was sacrificed on the cross instead of his people, just like that ram was sacrificed on the altar instead of Isaac. Remember when the Israelites had to take that Passover lamb and had to kill that lamb and to smear the blood on the doorpost and and then the, the angel of the Lord would pass over them that night and the judgment of God would not fall on their families as it did on, on Egypt. That's what happened on the cross when, when the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was shed and everyone who is covered and washed in that blood, the judgment of God passes over them. You remember how Moses instructed Israel to to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. And how they were they had the altar and they had the labor of washing before the tabernacle. And the Israelites would have to come and bring the bullock, the, the bull, and they'd lay their hands on the head, to indicating the transfer of their sins. And they would they would slice the throat and kill the bull and, and offer it on the altar to show how that bull took their place. And that's what happened on the cross, where the Lord Jesus Christ had the sins of his people laid upon him where he became sin and where he died a just one for the unjust, where he took the place of sinners. And that as you rest on the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, your sins are transferred to him to be taken by him. And from him you receive that perfect robe of righteousness, his perfect righteousness to, to cover you. And then there's that big labor of washing that had the water where the priests had to come and wash their hands and their feet from the blood after offering their sacrifices. That points to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for the cleansing of all your sins. That, as he says, when you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The scriptures here they showed how how King David was given his kingdom and how it prospered and how he conquered all his enemies. He drove all his enemies back. It shows how the Lord Jesus Christ has come to, to conquer all his enemies. And it shows how Solomon was the, the prince of peace, the king of peace, and he reigned in prosperity. And it shows that the, the Lord Jesus Christ is the prince of peace who will reign forever and ever. And Second Samuel 7 God told David that his throne would endure forever. But both David and Solomon are dead. But it points to the Lord Jesus Christ who will reign forever and of whose kingdom there will be no end. Christ pointed these disciples to the Scriptures to direct their sight to see that everything, every story, every sacrifice pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. It needed to happen in this way. And we need to learn to see it as these disciples did with that spiritual sight of faith. What things concerning Jesus of Nazareth? Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? Well, he is the Savior of sinners who, who crushed the head of Satan who, when he died on the cross. He is the one who came to take the place of sinners like you and me. He is the one who came as the Lamb of God to be slain 
who, who became sin and who, as God laid iniquities of us all upon Him, He took our place. Why? Well, so that now sinners can have access to God through Him. So that sinners now can receive mercy and grace from God in heaven because, God, because the Lord Jesus has satisfied that justice of God. Christ was on the cross to finish that work of salvation that He promised there to Adam and Eve in Genesis. That's what all the Scriptures pointed to. And so Jesus, He comes to bring that deliverance from that spiritual bondage to sin. Yes, he, they said he, they hoped that He would come to redeem Israel. He has come to redeem, but spiritually to redeem you from your sin, from the power of your sin and from eternal condemnation. He comes to redeem you from, from destruction and from, from Satan's power and from the power of death. So He says, these disciples, Christ must have suffered these things and to enter into His glory. But that also means that He is risen according to the Scriptures. And that also means that death has lost its power and the grave has lost its sting. So Christ directs us here to the Scriptures time and again to show that His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And you can see as these disciples, they listen, it says their hearts burned within them. As they heard that, that Scriptures explained, their, their love and desire for Christ went out to Him. And so Christ was showing them what? He was showing them where their love and their joy was to be found. He was revealing who He was through the Scriptures. And then as they came near to their home, Christ acted like He was going to keep on walking. Just keep walking past. But they constrained Him. They made Him come in. That hour or two was not enough to hear Him explain the Scriptures. They needed to hear more. Does your heart also long to hear more of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if we, if we don't constrain Him to stay, will He not just keep on walking by? And will we ever hear His words opened up to our hearts. But then we see lastly, the sight perceived by faith. In verse 30 it says, uh, when they were in the house there and as they ate the meal together, that Jesus took the bread and he, he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened to see who he was. It says they knew him. And as soon as they knew Him, He vanished out of their sight. Their physical eyes were opened to see that this was the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord Jesus had already been opening their spiritual eyes of faith as He explained the Scriptures to them. Jesus did this to show them that they had to learn to see Jesus through the spiritual eyes of faith in the Scriptures. And then He opened their physical eyes to confirm that He was really and truly that risen Savior of who the Scriptures speak about. And then they realized 
what this was, when their hearts were burning in love and desire to hear the Scriptures as the Lord Jesus explained them to them. Their hearts went out to God in love and faith as they understood what the Scriptures were saying. And that was confirmed to them then when the Lord Jesus showed that it was Him. And their love and their faith were already evident here. But it was their their spiritual blindness that caused them to be saddened. But here already they demonstrated that love, that love that is found with true faith to speak and to hear of Christ. They They already had that demonstration of the love of the brethren. That is an evidence of faith. As they gathered with them in these past days and how they now quickly rushed back to them in verse 33 to tell them what they had seen and what they had heard. And they demonstrated hospitality, which is another evidence of faith. When, when they not only invited Jesus into their home, but constrained him to stay. And so it is for us, boys and girls, we need our eyes open. To see the Lord Jesus Christ. Not walking in this world, but in His Word by faith. And that's why it's important. We, we, we can know the Scripture and have it memorized. And we can learn many stories. And that's important. We need to do that. But we can still be blind to see who the Lord Jesus is for our own hearts. We need the eyes of our understanding open. To understand the scriptures by faith. Because it's by faith alone that we can see the Lord Jesus Christ for our soul. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that is why we see uh, Christians, who profess, people who profess to be Christians, and yet later in life they leave it all behind. They reject it and renounce it and walk away. They've never learned to see Christ by faith for their own soul. It's more than just a decision. Their life never changed. But like the eyes of the disciples were opened, the Holy Spirit also needs to open our eyes, the eyes of our understanding to believe the Scriptures. Jesus told His disciples in John 16, it's the Holy Spirit who takes of the things of Christ and reveals them unto us a sight of Christ is that spiritual fellowship with the risen Jesus Christ it's seeing and knowing him personally for our own soul not just learning and believing the doctrines as important as that is we need that because without that we cannot understand it but they must lead us to see Christ It must bring us to the place where our heart burns with desire to know and love Him. The reason we are bored with learning doctrine and Bible memorization is because our heart doesn't burn for who it is talking about. We need to see Christ. We need to see Him in it. It must lead us to know Him. John 17 verse 3 says, This is eternal life. That we may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Do you see him, who he is for your own soul, even children? Do you desire to know more about him? Because if there's no desire to learn to know who Jesus is, then what is there? If there's no hungering and thirsting after him and his righteousness, then there's no spiritual life. But know that these disciples had no no advantage over us. Even though they saw and walked and talked with the Lord Jesus Christ, they needed to learn to see the Lord Jesus by faith in the Scriptures, just like we do today. Many people then saw the Lord Jesus in real. Most of them crucified Him. They did not believe. Later, the Lord Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, blessed are those who believe And have not seen. But he reveals himself to those who seek him. Those who hunger and thirst after him. Those who desire to know him. And so that's why I ask, do you have a desire to know who the Lord Jesus is for you? See, our questions won't be solved just by by reasoning and, and by determining to live better or do better. But it is by searching the Scriptures that the Lord Jesus here is showing that we need to know Him. And so spend time in the Word of God. That's where He comes. That's where He reveals Himself. Why is it so hard for us just to to sit down and spend an hour or two thinking with the Word and, and trying to soak it in? We can see the natural aversion to that. But is our, have we been given a desire to know Him? Because that's where we can find it. And when your heart yearns for God, even if you cannot see Him yet, then you cannot leave your seat empty in church either. Then you cannot leave your house before you have spent that time in devotions with Him. Because you want to be where God speaks, where you can hear what he has to say to know. You want to know him. And it's by his word and by his spirit that he works. And then even two services a Sunday are not enough. Because you need more. You constrain God to stay with you. You need more of him. You want to see him. You need to know how these sins can be forgiven. You need to know how you can walk with Him day by day. How you can know Him more. How you can be given grace. And how He will help you in your trials and in your circumstances. And then you sing those hymns, gentle Savior, do not pass me by. But you constrain Him to stay with you all day. Believers, Christ is near you. That's what he says. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And yet, how often do we not recognize that he is near? How often do we focus on those external circumstances and we become dejected and depressed and we do not see him there with us? It could be like a marriage, can't it? We can be so busy as a husband and a wife doing our own things, family life, work life, that 
you, you don't have any time to stop and spend together. But it's when you do stop. It's when you do take time to be together. That, that love is again kindled. You find time to talk and to relate, to communicate. And then the heart is kindled again for each other. And so it is with Christ. We need time to talk, to the time with God in study of His Word and in prayer, to talk of Christ with others, to speak with others of who He is in His Word and in our lives. God says, draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. Or do we have to confess that we miss this burning love and zeal that Christ also had to warn the church in in Revelation 2. You've lost that first love. And go back to the Scriptures. And go back and seek for Him until that burning fire is ignited again. So you have a fresh sight of Christ for your own soul. And that you may commune with Him and spend time with Him. Because then notice when Jesus left them physically, they never lost their joy again, but instead they ran to tell the others, Christ is risen indeed. And these disciples were then the link of telling the next generation, of knowing Him personally and telling it to to the others. And you are the link of knowing Christ now yourself to the next generation, your children and your neighbors of who Christ is for a perishing world. They went the same hour of when that zeal and love was burning hot in their soul. And that is what we need. We don't evangelize if our hearts are not burning with love for God and for sinners. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen.